Next on BYU Sports Nation, examining the past to get better right now. BYU football nearing go fast, go hard year two. What has to change for an unforgettable season? College football analyst and former BYU quarterback Blaine Fowler tells us his number one key to BYU offensive improvement in 2014. Plus, Daniel Sorensen's realistic shot to make an NFL roster a Kansas City Chiefs insider on why the safety has the inside edge. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU Radio and BYU TV. Now from Studio B, your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Wednesday, June 4th, what is up? BYU Sports Nation on your radio and television, presented by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with the last person on earth to discover voice-to-text technology on a smartphone, Jerem Jordan. I knew it existed. I didn't know how accurate it was <laughs> until today. This is a social game-changer. Uh, Should I text uh, you? Jerem? Should I text you right now? You're only four years late to the game. Okay, now listen. I want to do this with Twitter. Okay, Let, Like, just speak a tweet and then make sure that it's spelled correctly and punctuation is good, and then, and then tweet. Okay, so do it. Will you do that today? I, well, not, I am challenging I guess you. I could copy the text into a tweet. Yes. I'm saying through Twitter, I want to be able to do that. <laughs> I'm going to text you right now with a voice tweet. Hey, welcome to the party, man. A monumental Wait, you day. Can, you can with Twitter? I think you can directly, yes. See, there's another game changer for me. Look, I'm learning so much today. Explosion in his head. Spencer, uh, why do you keep bugging me about the facts that I just recognized this? Not only is Jeremy the last person to know, but just before he realized it, our it put Joe in there. heralded producer Ben Bagley made the same technological discovery. <laughs> and in our pre-production meeting, it was like, they were like kids in a candy store. It was fantastic. You wanna, you wanna it was like it? me in a candy store now. Hey, the, the, B- the BYU TV softball team dominated last night. The intramural championship t-shirt has eluded me for a very long time at BYU. Never mind that we're in the lowest division I don't of care. intramural softball. I want it, man. Yeah. I want that t-shirt. I'm feeling so good I went and bought a video game at Target Mike last night. Mike Middleton, Cougar Club director, sorry about last night. <laughs> and also one of our Twitter, uh, Twitter followers. At I Do Rock the Y. He, he fouled out. I caught it in foul territory. Uh, You're a good third man. Third baseline. You're a good man. Good job, good effort. No. You're still the man, man. <laughs> he, had, he had to go early. I think that's why they lost. He had to, he had to jump. Join our conversation 24-7 using the hashtag BYUSN. Link up across BYU Sports Nation wherever, whenever you feel like it, and get involved in today's Twitter question. We're going to break down 2012 versus 2013 offensive numbers. So we look ahead to 2014. What do you want to see improve the most from Go Fast, Go Hard Part 2 in 2014? Examining the past of BYU football. To get the recent past, right 2012 now. versus 2013. Yes. Was 13 that much better than 12? Or better at all? And what does BYU do this year to make sure that it's better guarant- than both of us? I am years? guaranteeing you some of these numbers will surprise you. A lot. Listen to BYU Sports Nation, noon Eastern on BYU Radio, Sirius XM Channel 143. Watch the simulcast live on BYU TV and on BYUtv.org. Rise and shout on a Wednesday. It's time for What's Trending. What's Trending in BYU Sports Nation. Topic one. Offensive overhaul. We're going to go fast and we're going to go hard. In 2013, BYU Dr. football Bob. unveiled the much-publicized Go fast, go hard offense. The return of offensive coordinator Robert and I for his second stint ushered in a new mantra for BYU Cougar football. 
What kind of a difference did it make between 2012 and 2013? Jeremy and I have had this discussion quite a few times. Today we decided to take that next level and see just what the difference was, if there was at all. The initial reaction for me was, oh, the Texas game, dude. Yeah, Texas game, Boise State, Georgia Tech. 2013 had to be way better than 2012, right? Way better in 2013 than it was in 2012. Points, okay, let's break this down. Points per game. 1.5 1.5 more points per game in 2013. So BYU's putting up just that's a hair it? over 30 points a game in 2013 compared a point to 20, and a half. That's compared it. to 28. However, you ran was, 108 more plays. It was a tougher schedule. So yeah. I'm, I, I still think that, that that is an improvement because you scored more points against a tougher schedule. But how much more of an improvement? Not much. Uh, points allowed per game, by the way, 8.1 more points allowed. Okay, that because one jumps you, off the page. You to me. faced 238 more plays. But you were still tied for BYU tied for twenty second in points allowed per game last year. You bring back, defense was still good. Yeah, you bring back Kyle Van Noy. I think a lot of people were like, "Oh, defense can be just as good as it was in 2012. 2012 defense was off the charts. Yeah, but yes, they were fantastic. Fourteen points allowed per game. They were a top five defense, legit top five. You defense. held Notre Dame, so a good. national championship qualifier, to seventeen points on their home field. And Probably they, should have beat them. And they didn't score a ton of points that oh. year. They just won games. Okay, to me, the overall yardage number is not significant when comparing 2012 to 2013. Because BYU went go, they did go fast, go hard, meaning more plays. So BYU ran 1,111 plays for once uh, in 2013. 108 more plays than the year before. Which brings us to the stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. We're right in your wheelhouse, brother. Listen to this. BYU ran 8.3 more plays per game in 2013 than 2012. That actually surprised me. I thought it was way more. Only Only eight eight more plays. I think BYU slowed down later in the year. I think that helped Taysom. And then I think there were fourth quarters where BYU did not go fast, go hard. Like Houston, BYU ran 115 plays, tied an FBS record. But there were other games where BYU didn't run as many more plays. Only eight more plays per game. I think people think that the offense was better because there were more explosive plays from this team in 2013. 2012 yeah. was more methodical. You had quarterback injuries. had 60-yard-plus runs from Taysom Hill against Texas and Jamal Williams uh, had a 66-yard run against Nevada. A, yes, yeah, had a 70-yarder against Idaho State. Yes. I mean, there there were some explosive, really, really memorable Six, plays from 2013. You had, lo- you had at least three rushes longer than BYU's longest pass play of the year. Isn't that weird? Yeah. You had longer rushes than pass. Okay, okay. So, l- l- let me ask you this. Which season had more touchdowns, 2012 okay, or 2013? This is what gets me. 2012 had three more touchdowns. What? Yeah. What? Believe it. 50 to 47. Then you look at other numbers that go into scoring. Okay, I want to. Well, first, I want to go back to the point I was making. You have to look at yards per rush and yards per pass to really know if the plays that BYU had were more effective because the overall yardage was was up because you ran more plays. BYU was 10th in the country in rushing, 2,000 yard rushers. That's significant. That's good. But did BYU make use of the plays they ran because they ran a bunch? Uh, Yards per rush, BYU improved by 1.3. That's a good number. They had a great rushing average. 5.2 yards per rush. BYU rushed the ball effectively. Yards per pass, just a .1 yard difference. So essentially, BYU was the same passing team as 2012. That needs to be better. That needs to be way better. Speaking of what needs to be better, and this this is the overwhelming, uh, 
I, I guess, statistic when you look at all this is the red zone touchdown percentage for yes. me. So when you get into the red zone, how, many, how often are you scoring a touchdown? For one thing, BYU had eight less trips to the red zone last year than they, 2012. They were scoring longer touchdowns. I'll give them that. But they did have not less a, trips. I mean, it's not a ton. It's not a ton. So eight less trips. BYU's 15% lower. 48% conversion rate to 63. for touchdowns inside the red zone. You're That's where 50. BYU struggled the most, in my opinion, on offense. Well, they're not skirting around this either. I mean, Bronco no, Mendenhall is it. like, yeah. And we're ca- like yeah. everyone else, we're calling it the red zone until they execute at a high level, <laughs> and then we'll join you in the blue zone. It's over 60%. Verbiage. It goes back to the blue zone. And then third down conversions. What Beck and Hall, what made them so great? They were clutch in those situations. Third down, you get a... You get a completion, or you you get a run for a first down. Eight percent less. BYU was eighty fifth in the country in third down percentage. Thirty eight percent. That is not okay. A lot of numbers we're discussing, but here here is the underlying theme of this: go fast, go hard. I feel was an improvement, but the issue, but in, not as much as you think. But not yeah, not the stark contrast that some people think that it was. Yes. The issue in 2013 executing the go fast, go hard model was in clutch scenarios. What can they do in the clutch moving forward, meaning to get in points. the red zone? Yes, to get points. Now, when you look at points per play, higher by .02% in 2012, meaning BYU was better in 2012 in scoring with the amount of plays that they ran than in 2013. The point of go fast, go hard is to get a competitive advantage. The, trust me, the style points, I love that BYU goes fast. It's the fad. I think BYU has the players to do it. They just need to execute more in clutch situations. Third down conversions and in the red zone. It worked for them between the 20s. Yes, it did. Why it didn't it work in the red zone? Well, there's less field to work with. And plus, in a sped-up scenario and when you have some struggles... There's always that mental battle. Uh, we, we, we've kind of had a we've kind of had a hard time in the red zone. Like we, uh, we we can't mess up right here. There's that mental issue right there. How do you overcome that? That and that's what they'll work yep. on in practice. Better better line play, better decision making by Taysom, and then better uh, better receiver play. I think BYU's got the pieces to make a leap this year. Simple fixes. I've said this before. Make BYU a ten win team last year. BYU maybe wins at Wisconsin or Notre Dame if they execute in the red zone better. Logistically speaking, the big jump generally happens in year two. Remember. Same coaching staff, same quarterback, same line, same running back. Between 2012 and 2013, you brought in an entirely new offensive staff. New coaches. Because 2012 was not acceptable. New training, new plays. So the big jump, it's going to happen now. It's going to happen in year two. Yes. Oh, by the way, that big jump starts in late August. Countdown to Connecticut. 86 days. Oh, we're back we on it today. Back. We, 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 we brought so it back. today. After that debacle on like 87 BYU's yesterday. offense in 2014, we are back. <laughs> oh, our Twitter question today. What do you want to see improve the most from Go Fast, Go Hard in 2014? Let's get to some of your initial responses. Kid Quasar, smooth implementation from game one. We can't afford two to three games of getting up to speed. Yes. And that, that's the key, is now you've had a whole year. They can hit the ground running against Connecticut. There's no unveiling against Virginia. Literally, because who knows how much BYU will pass the ball with the new receivers. I think you can rely on the run. You know what you've got out of the run, which is 5.2 yards per attempt. How about that? Rely on the run to set up the pass. Is this mm. BYU or not? Mm. At Together We Reach. 
I'd like to see our QB own the pocket and air it out. Hashtag, we got the receivers. Hashtag, Phil Steele says we have the O-line. Hey, (laughs) I hope he's right. Yeah. I hope he's right. Oh, BYU's O-line will be better, just enough to be the 15th best. Wow. Okay, that's quite the improvement. Other trending topics in BYU Sports Nation right now. Pro Football Talk reporting that former BYU linebacker Spencer Hadley has been released by the New Orleans Saints after signing as an undrafted free agent. No word on whether or not Spencer will get picked up with another team before the season starts. But for now, he is a free agent on the waiver wire. All right. There you go. Anything else you want to talk about right now, Jerem? Guy Holiday's tweet last night. <laughs> Did you see that, BYU receiver coach? We'll get to that in a moment. That's called, oh, so don't good. send your kid to a BYU football camp in U gear, sending a poodle to a pit bull party. Wait, what is that? Oh, yeah, we will, ex- we will explain in detail. Yeah. Up next, we're all things Kansas City Chiefs. How much of a shot does Daniel Sorensen have to make the roster? BYU Sports Station is presented by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan live from Studio B at BYU Broadcasting in Provo, Utah. Follow the show on Twitter at BYU Sports Nation. It airs weekdays, noon Eastern, 10 a.m. Mountain on Sirius XM Channel 143, BYURadio.org, and the BYU Radio iOS app. Since March, we have been simulcast on BYU TV. And coming up June 23rd, live on BYU TV, BYU Radio, BYU Football Media Day. Don't miss it. June 23rd, that's a Monday. I, lo- I love it. We're in June. BYU will have the first media day of anyone in college football. 19 days away. That's unconfirmed, Stan. Joining BYU <laughs> Sports Nation right now, Ben Nielsen, editor of Arrowhead Attic Blog, part of the Fanside Network, a partner with SI.com. Ben, you cover all things Kansas City Chiefs. You've been doing that for quite a while. It is our purpose today to get the latest on former BYU safety Daniel Sorensen and his shot to make the Chiefs' 53-man roster. From what you have seen thus far, what gives Daniel a great shot to make it as an undrafted free agent? Yeah, well, the first thing that's going in his favor is the roster, man. Uh, Chiefs are probably going to keep about nine or ten defensive backs, and he's right there in that mix. There's probably about six or seven guys that you can go ahead and say, yeah, they're definitely on the roster. And those two or three open spots really kind of favor uh, Sorensen and his game and how he plays. In an article you wrote, you mentioned three things that give Sorensen a chance to make the roster. The first thing you listed is special teams, which we noticed. We called him a first-team All-American special teams player. His ability to cover on punts is unique. How will that play into his chances to make the roster? Uh, if he makes the roster, that's probably the number one reason. <laughs> uh, the Chiefs, probably more than any other NFL team, uh, spend a lot of time and resources on their special teams unit. They probably have one of the best coaches in football and special teams in Dave Taub. Uh, they've invested a lot of money. They've, they've paid their punter. Uh, Dustin Cole quit one of the highest paid contracts ever for a punter. They, they just invest a lot of time and resources into the special teams unit. And if Sorensen, as you say, he's, he's an excellent special teams player already coming into it, he can come in and he can make plays. And not only just cover well, but do what he did at BYU and block punts and things like that. Well, then, uh, to me, there's almost no doubt that he ends up being one of those back-end-of-the-roster guys who makes the team and adds depth at safety. Ben Nilsson, editor of Arrowhead Attic Blog on BYU Sports Nation right now. He's part of uh, the Fanside Network, a partner with SI.com. 
Ben Daniel had two interceptions in an early practice, and Jeremy and I have had some fun banter about how much that really matters. With his performance like that, when he comes up with two interceptions in a practice, what does that really mean for his chances to impress the coaches and make that roster? Well, in June, it probably doesn't mean too much. Uh, John Dorsey is the general manager of the, Pac- uh, of the Chiefs. He came from the Packers. He has said several times that he really values those preseason games, those four preseason games. That's the time that Sorensen really needs to come out and show this is what he can do. It certainly doesn't help the interceptions in June. It does keep him apart from the rest of the pack and keeping somebody from leaping over him sort of in the depth chart or in the rankings of things. But if he's going to make this team, if things are going to work out for him, it's going to be because he went in those preseason games and he played very well on special teams and he was catching on to the defense very quickly as a safety. Ben Nielsen of Arrowhead Addict covering the Kansas City Chiefs is on BYU Sports Nation. A few moments ago you said uh, something like, no doubt you thought that he would make the roster. Did I catch that correctly? You're very confident that he will make the 53? If he if he performs on special teams, I think he, he's in that mix of sort of if you're going to rank the roster from 1 to 53, he's in that 50 to 55 range for okay. me. Okay, okay. I'd be very surprised if he doesn't at least make the practice squad. Um, of course, if to make the practice squad, he'll have to go through the waivers, so he'll be exposed to every other NFL team. So that would play into it. But I, I think there's a very serious shot that he can make the team, uh, especially just with the way that the roster is currently constructed for the Chiefs. There's been so much talk about Andy Reid being a former BYU guy and Daniel Sorensen being the perfect fit because mm-hmm. they have those mm-hmm. natural BYU ties. Did, he, he at least get, Andy at least gives BYU guys a chance. Did that, did that play a major role in the Chiefs going after Daniel when he went undrafted? Now, I think that it definitely played a role in getting him on the radar and having a good idea of, of who he is as a football player and as a person. Uh, John Dorsey and Reed have a pretty good relationship. Dorsey is pretty much in control of the draft. He's in control of uh, who ends up on the roster in terms of this big 90-man group that they have. But uh, they do get along very well. And it wouldn't surprise me if Swanson's BYU connection and Reed uh, having been there did play a role in Swanson ending up on the roster. Ben Nielsen is on BYU Sports Nation. Uh, when Andy Reid was in Philadelphia, a ton of success there. Now had his first season with the Chiefs last year, took him to the playoffs. What's the perception of Andy Reid and how he did with the Chiefs after year one? Well, hey, when you go from 2-14 and 14 to 11-5, and five, you're pretty happy. Yeah. <laughs> Would have liked to finish the uh, you know, first game there with the Colts in the playoffs, but uh, what's the perception? Sure. Uh, it, it's very good. I, I think a lot of people look at that, in, at that playoff loss as a combination of bad luck with injuries. Jamal Charles got hurt six snaps in. They still scored 44 points. Uh, but it, this actually kind of plays into why I think Sorison has a really good chance of making the roster. As part of what killed him in that game is that they just didn't have any depth at safety or in the secondary. And Sorensen would be an upgrade for the Chiefs over what they had. And I think that's kind of how that's sort of playing in with Andy Reid as well, that, uh, you know, this was a roster that a year ago, 
today was two and fourteen. Uh, leaping to eleven wins is already pretty intense as it is, but it just shows how far off of this roster has to go to be a an annual competitor. So things are very high on the Reed camp. Everybody loves them. Everybody loves his cheeseburgers and Tommy Bahama shirts, and it's going pretty well over here. <laughs> I'm sure quite a few people wanted to buy Andy a nice barbecue dinner after an 11-5 and season, improving nine wins. So uh, yeah, certainly he's got a good thing going. Do me a favor. The next time you talk to Daniel Sorensen, you tell him the guys from BYU Sports Nation say what's up and that we – are going to deliver him the karma through you, okay? Say, you have, right. the, you have the karma given to you from the BYU Sports Nation guys, and he will know exactly what you're talking about. All right, I will definitely deliver the karma. <laughs> you got it. Thanks, Ben. No problem. Thank you. I know Ben said that Danny's two-interception performance in one of the rookie OTAs might not have that much of a difference, and Jerem's licking his chops because he's like, I told you, Spencer! Just one guy's opinion, that's fine. Whatever. But Granted, listen, he's close to the situation. A performance like that, that, those are the things that earn you more time in preseason games, yeah. which he did say is where they, no p- doubt. they put a ton of emphasis on when you want to make that roster. Then, then the big deal, or no deal, comes if, if he has a pick in a preseason game or even two picks in a preseason game. Okay, now we're talking. That's a big deal. It gets him on the practice to me. No deal. I feel like a practice will earn him cred to play a few more minutes than maybe some of the other guys. Yeah, I think you think I think it's worthless. That's not what I think. (laughs) I think that that plays into that. Yeah, it can become a big deal if you do it in a more meaningful setting. So basically, translation: you you hate Daniel Sorensen. (laughs) Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I'm just kidding. I know. I know you love him. We love the Sorensen family. I am Uh, going to text you something weird with my now voice. (laughs) Text knowledge. Like, <laughs> well, what are you thinking? Yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I'm just kidding. No, I know. <laughs> so yesterday, Guy Holiday sends out a tweet. Yes, he does. In reference to uh, an outfit that one of the Cougar football Cubsters showed up to camp in. Don't send your kid to a BYU football camp in U gear, meaning Utah. <laughs> Sending equals, and this is in all caps. I'll I'll read it like it's typed sending a poodle to a pit bull party hashtag respect the why so then some utah fans didn't like that much uh thought hey are you bullying a kid you know and he said no we're not bullying a kid obviously you don't know me i carried that kid around with me to keep the other kids off him he was he was professor snape trying to keep harry potter alive when harry was being cursed whatever whatever movie that was whatever yeah Uh, on the fourth one for the order of the phoenix fifth one (laughs) he also said too much class to ever disrespect a kid oh but as a parent why put a seven-year-old in a position to be criticized by kids right yeah can you maybe they wanted to prove a point like we're we're utah fans we're he's going to the BYU camp we're utah fans so you were in utah don't do that don't put a seven-year-old in a position to be uh, bullied by other kids like that that might happen whether you like it or not yeah guess what know? there are some 9 year olds out there that are not going to know how to turn it off that are going to yeah. be unfiltered yeah. so he was and they're going to make that kid cry yeah basically that's a text message he should have should have sent to the parent of that kid well then he sent out a tweet this morning yeah here it is i respect the rivalry i respect the you it's coaches and players i know the score cuz many utah fans are like hey the last four years of it a fun tweet should not have been seen as life and death. Hashtag ease up. <laughs> Favorite at 32 I times. love the voice. Hey, you just last four years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
That's one of my favorite things. The games aren't in the afternoon anymore. Hey, I'm for <laughs> supporting the truth. Yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you Let's are. go to the Twitter machine. What do you want to see improve the most from Go Fast, Go Hard in 2014? That is the name of the BYU football offense. If you're new to Cougar Athletics and the program, use the hashtag BYUSN to send in your tweets. At BYU All Blue. If fans respond to this tweet with anything other than red zone efficiency, then they did not watch BYU in 2013. I want to add something to that. Uh, To me, it's not red zone efficiency. To me, it's red zone touchdowns. You want to get in there and score touchdowns. What killed BYU against Washington? That they were kicking field goals in the second quarter. Because efficiency still includes efficiency field goals. includes just straight-up scoring. Like, you could go into the red zone and kick a field goal and make it every time. You would have 100% red zone efficiency. So it's red zone touchdown percentage. You want that to be 100%. You want that to be much higher than, what did BYU have, 38%? 38%. No, no, no. 48%. No, 48%. 63%. 63% the, the year before. Wow. At Tuckinator, improved offensive line play will result in higher total offensive efficiency. Could not agree more. Make the O-line better. Up next, dual threat analyst Blaine Fowler joins us. What he feels is the number one thing BYU needs to do to get better next year. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan hanging out. In Studio B, doing it live, baby. Hey, if you missed the show or you want to watch something again, we cut up the interviews uh, with different guests and put them on our YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com slash Sports. You can check those out. Joining us now, Blaine Fowler, dual threat analyst for college football and college basketball. Blaine, welcome back to the show. We've been discussing the go-fast, go-hard offense and how much of an improvement it really was from 2012 to 2013 when you do an offensive overhaul like that. And the numbers are kind of striking because it, it, it didn't look like it was that much. What do you feel like has to change for BYU to take that huge leap in 2014? Well, you, know, you guys, we, we've talked about before the fact that as they got toward the end of 2013, they realized that they want to go fast and they want to go hard, but that they can't do that at the expense of execution. And, and I understand, you know, when Robert was was bringing the system in, there had to be a mentality change in terms of the way these guys conditioned themselves and prepared mentally to be able to push and push and push. Just like you know, if you take a team that's been a walk-it-up-the-court basketball team then all of a sudden try to have them fast break, the first thing you have to do is you have to get their mindset to just run up and down the floor at full speed, and then you start to make sure that you have the right spacing and all those kinds of things. That was Robert's mentality. And at the end of last season, we started to see them not worry so much about getting plays off in 14 seconds, but pushing it, pushing it in terms of pace and executing better. And the throw game improved dramatically. I think it's a combination of of them, you know, making the execution better and a quarterback that was starting to settle in and understand what everybody was supposed to do and understand the offense and understand. Pacing, too, as a quarterback. Like, when can we push it, and when is it um, you know, prudent to get a playoff very quickly, and when do we need to take that extra half a second to let my lineman make a call? So we saw all of that come into play as the season went on last season, and I just think now this season, with that, that same quarterback returning, with more offensive linemen healthy and coming back, 
with a really talented group of wide receivers, I think you're going to see the biggest jump um, this season in how this offense is going to gel and play. Blaine Fowler's on BYU Sports Nation, and it, it should. When you have the, you just label it. When you have the same coaching staff, Taysom Hill for his second year as quarterback and under the same system, all the running backs back, uh, a bunch of explosive receivers, you better take a leap. Now, the, the big surprise to me out of all the stats we kind of broke down is that BYU only ran 8.3 more plays per game than 2012. Did you think that number was higher? You know, I, I think that the beginning of the season, remember, we, had, we were watching games and covering games where they were running 80-plus plays, and they weren't that good offensively. So I think that's all part of that settling-in process as the season progressed where they became self-aware of what they could do, and that play count came down. And I'm perfectly fine if it's only eight or ten more plays a game. Um, I think that that's enough plays. You know, think about it. That's, that's another drive or two per game. That puts more pressure on the defense. I do think, however, that now that they're executing better and now that they have a quarterback who should be really, really comfortable as long as they keep him healthy, I think we will see that play count creep back up again. And not dramatically, but, but three, four, five more plays a game this year because the quarterback and Taysom Hill is going to understand when he can appropriately push it and he'll think faster um, and he'll be able to process things faster. And so he's just going to be overall uh, better at running this offense. Blaine Fowler on BYU Sports Nation. What do you feel was the number one reason why BYU in clutch scenarios, in third down situations and in the red zone, could not deliver on a regular basis in the go-fast, go-hard offense? They moved the ball effectively between the 20s. What was it that was causing them to not have success on third downs and especially in the red zone? You know, Spencer, I'm glad you bring that up because I think that that's the – that's the biggest issue that they need to address, that they needed to address in spring ball, that they need to address in this offseason, and that they have to improve upon in fall. If they don't get better in that area, they're not going to reach the potential we feel that everybody feels they have with the personnel they have this fall. It, it was a big issue. I think it's twofold. I think the first thing is on the offensive line, they weren't knocking people off the ball. And when you, when you have a third and short, you have to be a threat to run the football where if just man-to-man up front, you're going to knock people off the ball, and if they don't put eight in the box, then you're going to run it and get a first down. BYU didn't scare anybody in their short yardage running game last year, so teams would play them straight up in short yardage situations, and they weren't able to knock people off the ball. And in regular straight-up situations, they had enough people in the secondary and the backers in coverage that there weren't very many throwing holes uh, or, or uh, open areas to throw the football in. And that's what happens when you get down. When you get down inside the 20, in scoring territory, defensive backs can sit on everything. They've got another defender, which is the back end of the end zone. They know that nobody can go deep on them, so they can sit on things, and those throwing lanes become really, really small. So, so here's where the second point comes into play. The quarterback has to be really comfortable, really decisive, and he's got to throw the ball on time. And we saw Taysom Hill getting better at that as the season progressed, but he's going to make a quantum leap this year. Quarterbacks that go from a sophomore to a junior year always make a huge step in this area. So the combination of having a healthy, deeper offensive line that we hope will be more physical. You know, I talked to Garrett TJ, and he thinks they're going to be more physical this year. They can knock people off the ball. And a quarterback that will make quicker reads and get the ball up on time in those small throwing lanes, that will make a big, big difference in how they perform in short yardage and down inside the 20. If they, that's the area I think they will improve most in. I know they focused on it. And if they don't, I'll be really disappointed. 
Phil Steele was on the show uh, recently and told us that he ranked BYU's offensive line going into 2014 as the 15th best in America, Blaine. We thought that was really high, but he said that he thinks they'll be vastly improved because of the number of career starts. Ten returning guys that started a game. You add Tuni Kanuch, who was injured. Ului Lapuahu, who Bronco Mendenhall was really high on. Is that where BYU improves the most in any position group? Offensive line? Yeah, I absolutely think they do. I, you know, I, I think that Knuch brings them. You know, we were looking for all of last year, and we talked about it on the show a lot of times. We were looking for an offensive lineman that would just be that nasty tone setter. Where's Dustin Reichert? <laughs> yeah, it's exa- you know, like, like the, the guy that his own team on defense calls an idiot. That, that's the guy you want. <laughs> if, you, if you don't have a guy on the offensive line that in practice the defense goes, I hate that guy, he's an idiot. But then in the next sentence they go, yeah, but I'm really glad he's on our team. That, that's the guy you want. And I don't yes. think BYU had that guy last year on the offensive line. I think that Tony Kanuch can be that guy. And I think guys with more experience, you know, I know DeAndre Wesley is a guy that seems like he's fairly mild-mannered, but with another year of experience, I think these guys will get a little nastier. And I think Kanuch can be a guy, if he can stay healthy, that can set the tone. Do you remember when Famika and I came in and played for that one game? Against Hawaii. The so, greatest single game yes. in BYU's offensive line history. He, he had two guys carted off. And then the next week he was declared injured and he was done for the rest of his life. Walk off. Well, we, a walk that, off. That was, that was one of the best performances overall as an offensive line amazing. we saw out of BYU for the season. And Taysom the reason Hill was, started that game. Yes, he, he set the tone for the entire offensive line. His tone was, not only am I going to knock people crazy here on the offensive line, when I pull and I get downfield, I'm going to crush people down there. I want helmets to fall off. I want, And the whole line lifted their level of play. And so... One guy can have a huge impact, and if you go back over the years, it's a great BYU line Sports Nation said, breaking they news. They had one of those guys every single time. Blaine, we've got some breaking news right now, just coming in, and uh, we're going to want to get your reaction from this. Uh, it has been confirmed to BYU Sports Nation. The NCAA is announcing that BYU Athletic Director Tom Holmo will be appointed as a member of the NCAA Division One Basketball Selection Committee. Hmm. Wow, he will replace West Coast Conference Commissioner Jamie Zaninovich in that role. Holy cow, Tom Homo's life just got a little bit busier. Uh, Blaine, what, what does this do for the BYU Athletic Department? I, I think it's great in terms wow. of exposure because now, now Tom's going to be in meetings, planning meetings, and the actual selection committee meetings um, with some of the powers that be in college basketball. It's, it's a great exposure thing for BYU. And while he can't be in the room when they're talking about his team, you know that there's some influence there just by virtue of their association with him. Like everybody's going to give that's in that room, if they're looking at Tom and he's being objective and he's an integral part of that committee, when it comes time to consider seating and all that for BYU, even though he's not allowed to have input on his own team, he, he absolutely will have influence just by virtue of his association and his relationship with those folks. So, I think it's a huge thing, and it sends a big statement that uh, you know the NCAA considers BYU an integral part of NCAA college basketball. I think that's great. Scott Barnes, the athletic director at Utah State, is also on that committee. It's a 10-man committee, uh, and if you're just joining us, Tom Homel, BYU athletic director, will be a part of the 10-man NCAA Division I men's basketball committee. 
Uh, got a quote from him here. It says, I'm honored to be selected to represent the West Coast Conference and to serve on the NCAA Division I Men's Basketball Committee. I appreciate those who have served before me and will do all I can to keep the tournament the wonderful event it has become. The question for me now becomes uh, time spent for Tom Homel. As we got to know Jamie Zaninovich, that guy was a busy, busy man watching a lot of basketball. How does that affect him as the athletic director and being able to be on the selection committee, you think? Well, the good news is, is Tom's got good, you know, he's got a good staff around him, and uh, you, know, you don't anticipate any major coaching changes that he has to be involved in uh, in this coming year. And so he, he can delegate to very, very capable people um, the smaller things that need to be done and just make sure he stays abreast of the, uh, of the major things. So, hey, he's, you know, Tom's, he's done a great job. As an athletic director, you're like a CEO of a corporation. His corporation is BYU Athletics. And, and great CEOs, they always get asked to be on boards of directors of other corporations. And what it does is it, it's worth the time invested in the other venture because then a CEO comes back to his company and he's exposed to different practices, different ideas that he can bring back. So the benefit for BYU is not only exposure, but his interaction with those folks. He'll bring back ideas and things from the people he's interacting with that will benefit BYU. And so for BYU, they're glad to have him do that, just like a major corporation is glad to have their CEO serve on a board of directors of another major company. If you're just joining BYU Sports Nation, the NCAA announcing that BYU Athletic Director Tom Holmo will be appointed as a member of the 10-person NCAA Division I Basketball Selection Committee. He will replace former West Coast, well, I should say current, but soon-to-be former West Coast Conference Commissioner Jamie Zaninovich in that role. We're talking to Blaine Fowler, BYU TV dual sport analyst. Tom, Tom is a busy guy, and he, he takes a lot, a lot of flack from people about the state of the program. Let's go back to BYU football now. Uh, as we transition from basketball back to the gridiron, he's facing an interesting situation in independence now that the ACC and the SEC have come out and said, hey, BYU, we're not going to count you as a P5 team. Not officially, but it looks that way. It looks that way anyway. What do you feel like BYU has to do to make it so that those conferences cannot ignore them anymore as a legitimate Power 5 opponent? Well, there, there's, there's two things. Either they need to get into a Power 5 conference, which I still don't think is out of the question. So, and, I, and I've always believed, and we've talked about this many times, that the Big 12 is a good fit for BYU. So I, I think that Tom, you know, you talk about what's on his plate. He, he and his staff, along with the president, with Kevin Worthen, they're going to continue to actively uh, investigate opportunities. And the Big 12 just seems like a, a natural because they need to have more teams to fill out um, the roster of teams to be able to stage a championship and to really continue to be a Big Five um, conference. So, so that's that's one option. The other is you got to schedule like you did last year and beat those teams. So, so you you can stay independent, but if you're going to be independent, then you have to win a higher percentage of the big games and you need to be ranked um, because they're going to say BYU is a power team if they're in the top 15 every year. But, but they're not going to be in the top 15 if they schedule the way they scheduled last year and, and they only win the games they're supposed to win and they don't really get any of the upsets against the, the big teams. And so I mean, that starts this year. They've got some opportunities. I think the schedule is conducive uh, for them to win 10, 11, maybe even 12 games. I, I believe that Texas on the road and, and Central Florida on the road are, are big, big tasks. But 
You know, say you get one of those two, and those two teams have the capability to be ranked this year, and then you run the table the rest, and now you're ranked in the top 15. That gets the attention of people. So if you can't find a conference, then you have to win uh, at a high level, and you've got to win games against teams from those five power conferences and not win against the Kansases and the Iowa States of the world. Or the Virginia and Cal's. <laughs> right. Yeah. You've, got to beat, you've got to beat Texas. You've got to beat you know, those types of schools. You've got to go beat a UCLA. You've you got to beat teams in the upper half of those Power 5 leagues, and you've got to schedule those. So if you're going to stay independent, you've got to schedule them, and you've got to win them. Blaine, I know this is outside the box, but does this recent uh, appointing or soon-to-be appointing of Tom Homo to the NCAA Division I Basketball Selection Committee, will that have any effect on him being established as a more credible figure and perhaps making BYU's athletic department, notably the football program, more attractive? Does, does that have any tie? Oh, I, I think it has a tie, absolutely. I, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a, of a reach, but it's not that big of a reach if you think about it. Because he is going to be uh, on that committee with athletic directors, um, uh, you know, and commissioners from major conferences. Um, that as they get exposed to him, and you know, you guys have been around Tom Homo. If you're around Tom Homo for any period of time, you recognize what an unbelievably talented guy he is, and he'll be fast friends with those folks very quickly. He'll build relationships, and those relationships or what lead to arrangements and invitations to conferences and, and not being excluded from, from uh, you know, scheduling. Uh, now, remember, even if the SEC says that you have to play at least one team from a Big Five conference, that doesn't mean they can't schedule BYU. It just means yeah. there's one less opportunity. It doesn't mean that they can't schedule them. And so, um, so anyhow, I, you, know, you asked Spencer, and I think, yeah, there is a tie. I think that exposure and the people that he rubs elbows with on a regular basis – that can only help BYU open doors to have opportunities. Blaine Fowler, bringing it today, man. We appreciate the time. Good to have you back on the program. And uh, thanks for the insight into BYU football. And now Tom Homo being uh, selected as a member of the NCAA uh, selection committee. So, uh, Blaine, great to have you with us, man. I miss you guys. You know, we're not that far from uh, just getting it going full-time again every week. 86 so, days. Go work on the tan before the fall, Blaine. I, I'm going to do that. I'm going to chill out. I'm going to go to Europe for a couple of weeks while you guys work, and then I'll be back refreshed and ready to go. <laughs> that sounds good. Thanks, Blaine. See you guys. This is big news with BYU that Tom Homo is a part of the uh, NCAA Basketball Selection Committee. Other people on the committee. I don't know who's off as of last year, but as of last year, uh, you're not familiar with the name, so I'll just say the schools. The AD from Wake Forest, LSU. Utah State, Scott Barnes. Oklahoma, the Big Sky Commissioner, Michigan State, Conference USA Associate Commissioner, Creighton, Northeastern, and now Tom Homo, BYU. There you go. That's an elite group. So there's some elite group. He's the, in the LSU, war room now. Oklahoma, Michigan State. He's going to be in the war room. How cool is that? Busy dude. That's all I can say. That's, that's the one thing I took away from this is uh, getting to know Jamie Zaninovich in the process. He's watching games all the time. All the time. Out at dinner, watching a game on an iPad and an iPhone or whatever. Hey, guess what, BYU? Your athletic director, because he's good at his job and because he's credible and does a really, really solid thing here at BYU, he was invited to be on that committee. He's legit. He's taken seriously nationally. He this knows what he's doing. To how good he is.
We'll discuss this more in depth. Breaking news, and we brought it to you on BYU Sports Station. Tom Holmo on the selection committee. We're back after this. This is BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store. So it's June 4th, and there's not... Wait a second! There's a million things to talk about. Starting with, we just broke the news on BYU Sports Nation about 10 minutes ago. The NCAA announcing that Tom Holmo, BYU Athletic Director, will be appointed as a member of the NCAA Division I Basketball Selection Committee. And one. I'm concerned for Tom's time. He's got football schedules to fill out. He's got P5 conferences to talk to and schedule and figure that out. Now he's Disgruntled doing basketball. fans to deal he's, with sometimes. Listen, there's got a lot. He's got a lot going on. Uh, so that's very cool. The, the influence that he can have uh, on a wider scope is big now. Now, when, when uh, Selection Sunday, those official meetings happen in Indianapolis, and they talk about when BYU's discussed, uh, or the West Coast Conference, his co- the, conference the conference he represents. He's a, uh, directly associated with, yes, with his, with his school. Okay, yeah. he needs to leave the room. But guess what? There's a lot of conversation about BYU and the West Coast Conference teams that doesn't happen in that room. Most of the discussions don't happen in the official war room. A right. lot of those discussions are taking place months in advance. I mean, there, there are so many things talked about. You're in the hallway. You're yes. Other, other meetings, conference calls. I mean, obviously, uh, you would hope that your team is at least has a fair shot. Uh, there's no that, limit. That you, there's no, you would hope that there's no uh, you know, extra bias associated with that just because you're there. But BYU, uh, it's advantageous that Tom Holm will be on that basketball selection committee. There's no limit to how many discussions you can have outside the war room. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. The non-war room. Blaine the Fowler room. just joined us and told us that, and, and I believe this too, I know it's kind of an outside uh, way of thinking about it, but I feel like because Tom is getting in more and more inner circles, that this can only help BYU's athletic department as a whole moving forward to establish and remain relevant in the ever-changing scope of college athletics. Yeah, this only helps BYU street cred because we're talking about football the most, right? Basketball yeah. uh, is the prince to the king of football, and this is good for Tom Holman. This is great news that BYU is represented on the basketball selection committee. Fantastic. Why and should two you, from the state of Utah. Why should you watch BYU Sports Nation in June? Because of reasons like this. I'm bringing you the big news first. Congratulations to Tom Holm. I guess we should wish him congratulations too, right? Is this like being called Bishop? <laughs> like, <laughs> congratulations? <laughs> You're going to be a lot busier now? Good luck, more like it. We're back with the Cougar Whip Around and the rest of things, all, uh, all things relevant in BYU Sports Nation. Sports. This is Bronco Mendenhall, and this is BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio and BYU TV. Thank you, Bronco. Green Room Snack Guy Spencer Linton here alongside Jerem Jordan, who still has his mustache. You know, time to the dude. Time for the Cougar Whip. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Men's basketball. BYU Athletic Director Tom Homo. About 15 minutes ago, we reported it first here. We'll now be a member of the Division I Men's Basketball Selection Committee, replacing West Coast Conference Commissioner, at least for a couple more weeks, Jamie Zaninovich. This is great news for BYU, represented on the 10-person committee. Football. The New Orleans Saints have waived Spencer Hadley on Monday, according to Pro Football Talk. Also, Vic Soto is now with the Pittsburgh Steelers and got into a fight yesterday's OTA. He said, 
quote, it was fun, end quote. (laughs) (laughs) That's a Vic Soto-like thing to say. Carl's bad California represent, Vic. Rise and shout, Thomas Homo. Congratulations on being selected. I mean, congratulations. Congratulations. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, Tom's going to be one busy dude, as if he wasn't already busy Football enough. Football scheduling and NCAA tournament selection committee. I wonder if he's an empty nester at home, because there's Ooh. not going to be as many opportunities to go see that uh, that play or uh, athletic event anymore. Hey, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at, one, at one point, Tom Homo was in a stake presidency. How busy is what that is guy? What has he not done? What has he not done? He's won four Super Bowls. He's been a Division One college football head coach in the Pac. Brandon Doman was a bishop as uh, the offensive coordinator as well. Man, that's busy. Hey, you know, more power to him. See you on Sunday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's head back to the Twitter machine. You got tweets. Okay, so our Twitter question today is, it was initially, what do you want to see improve the most from Go Fast, Go Hard, BYU football in 2014? But now, now we've got tweets coming in for Tom Homo, and understandably so. At Loyal Cougars, in reference to Tom Homo being selected, uh, appointed rather, as a member of the NCAA called. Selection here, Basketball here we, Committee. Here we use the verb called. He was called. Uh, busiest AD in America just got busier. Yeah. Love you, Tom Homo. Yeah. At Tashalin19. Well, there goes my dream of replacing Zaninovich on the NCAA selection committee. Oh, well. Congrats, Tom Holm. <laughs> Tasha wants to get involved. She wants to be a co-host yes, on does. BYU Sports Nation. Yes, she does. Yeah, she wants hey, to be. By the way, happy birthday to Lexi Eaton. Just found that out. Oh, Lexi Eaton, dual sport athlete, just missed qualifying. Wait, the delete, the Twitter, the tweet just got deleted. Maybe it's not a birthday. What? Oh, my gosh. What Breaking. Have you done? What have you done? <laughs> Oh, it is. They included a picture. They reached with. Oh, by the way, we talked to Andrea Harrison yesterday, a steeplechaser. Yeah. Her brother tweeted out the amazing finish the video. he had. Yeah, go it's check awesome. that out. Watch the last two minutes. We tweet. I tweeted out my account. Amazing. Thanks to our guests today. Anyone Blaine want to catch Fa- stuff? Or and Ben Nilsson All right, I'm just of the Kansas City Chiefs blog. <laughs> Look out. <laughs> It's Helter Skelter in here. Episodes of the show on demand at BYUSportsNation.com. Good job, Tom. Shout out to Lewis Wong. We're back to work tomorrow. Yeah.